back to A Journey with Dante and Reflections on Dante's Life, Work and the Divine Comedy. My name is Richard and I will be your host today. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a translation that might not be so well known, but it's a really good one. And it's made by John D. Sinclair and it was written in the 1940s. And it's a kind of a blend of poetry and prose. And it's together with Mark Musa is perhaps... Uh, those two might be the ones that are most kind of close to the Italian original with the, with the joy and with this um, both kind of high level but also down to earth poetry that is just full of, of, uh, of, of light, brightness and, and a, a joy and a love of knowledge and, and just inspiring at the, in this kind of its deepest form, it's just like a joyful inspiration to read. So we're going to go through just the first chapter of the Paradiso, the Paradise, and we're going to make lots of commentary as we go along, uh, also to some of the choices that he's making and and uh, the deeper meaning, and also how this this uh, first chapter is framing the the book of the Paradise, but also saying so many things about the whole journey of the comedy. So it begins with. The glory of him who moves all things, penetrates the universe and shines in one part more and in another less. So this is the opening tercet and there are many things to say about this one. It's um, uh, The first thing is that it's this book starts very differently from the first two ones. In Inferno it's about like the pilgrim is lost in a dark wood. In the second it is about sailing towards better waters and it's, uh, he talks about this little little bark of his ingenio which is his kind of his intellect which is then now sailing towards better waters so the focus is on the pilgrim in this third book it goes straight into the divine and divinity the glory of him who moves all things and he's also then combining both uh, the biblical divinity and the Aristotelian, the Greek philosophy with the first mover. And he talks about how this glory is penetrating the universe. So there is this is alluding to one of the main concepts that are kind of the, a great key to understanding the nature of the paradise is the concept of reflection. So this is coming already from, like in the purgatory, you have several examples of of uh, uh, how the kind of the divine uh, divine light and the divine love is is uh, be, is reflected like mirrors. He talks about this in the on the terrace of the envious. Like if the the opposite of the envy, like this this impulse for envy would be generosity. And it, if that comes from a, a place of kind of just divine love, there will be no envy because the more there is of it, the better it is, and it's mutually usually reinforcing like mirrors. So the concept of reflection comes early. It's also when he talks about some of these, um, these angels at the end of each terrace, like how the light, he can't look straight at one of them, but the light goes down and it's reflected up. And then he describes how the angle of the light, kind of the light ray going down is the same as when it goes up again. And he's using some geometry and some... Um, some science to describe this, but it's all a part of introducing and making us more and more aware of the concept of reflection. 
It's also a technique that, that Dante is using over and over in the, in the comedies. It's kind of evoking things, just bringing them up, not necessarily explaining it too kind of directly, but just kind of putting it on the table and then it's there. And then you could gradually for yourself notice how like just bringing in the concept of reflection will start influencing the way you're reading and experiencing the work. He's also talking about reflection when uh, he's explaining the relationship between the shades and the souls, how like the souls are immaterial, but the shades are in a sense kind of made of air. And he talks about this like they're connected in the same way as like when you look at the reflection in the mirror, if you move, then the, <laughs> the reflection in the mirror moves. And this is the same how uh, you can see like these shades that like everyone in, in the comedy except the pilgrim are shades. So they, uh, like all the souls are then in the shade form. So the air is kind of shaped into kind of this diaphanous bodies that Dante as a pilgrim is communicating with. But then you also have this reflection, uh, the idea of a reflection. So this is put into the very opening. And it's it's also important because it might be helpful to keep in mind when, when we read the Paradiso that um, what Dante is describing and what we're seeing is not directly the divine, but we're seeing the reflections of it. This also is expressed in uh, in a kind of similar way in Orthodox theology, for example, that you have the, the essence and the energies of the divine. So the essence is something that is beyond us forever. The energies are kind of the manifestations or the expressions of the divine that we can see. For example, the creation in itself is an expression of the divine. And then in Dante's terminology, that would be kind of the reflection. So the, the material, cosmos, and creation is the reflection of the divine. And then he also says here that it shines in one part more and in another less. So this is a reminder that it's not equally strong and of the same character everywhere. It it depends. It's kind of a varied. It's um, He goes into this later to describe, like Beatrice is describing how the overall divine light coming out of the Empyrean is, is kind of diffused in all the, the fixed stars and then you get different qualities and different varieties and versions and then they blend together again and then you have all these kind of mixtures of, of uh, the divine and also the virtues that are kind of a part of that as well. And there, there will also be a more specific explanation in the second chapter as well. For those who want to read a little bit ahead. Uh, and we just want to say the, the Italian, like the original, of the opening tercet, since it's so important, like because it starts with the with the glory of the one who moves all things, and the, the whole book also ends with the love that moves the sun and the other stars. So the openings opening is La gloria di colui che tutto muove per l'universo penetra e risplende in una parte più e meno altrove. So there you have like penetra e risplende is to penetrate and and reflect or kind of resplendor <laughs> uh, the glory of of the first mover. So that's again like the combination of Aristotle and the biblical divinity. 
Okay, so all of this is packed in the first tercet. And then, I was in the heaven that most receives his light, and I saw things which he that descends from it has not the knowledge or the power to tell again. For our intellect, drawing near to its desire, sinks so deep that memory cannot follow it. Nevertheless, so much of the holy kingdom as I was able to treasure in my mind shall now be matter of my song. So here Dante is framing or uh, explaining what he's going to express in the third book of the paradise, of the Paradiso, and also then reminding us about how this is, he's going to describe something that is beyond us. So in, in this part, the beyond concept is also very important that he, as, so the writer Dante, or the, kind of the narrator Dante is, has been on this journey through the, <laughs> through the realms of the afterlife. And now he's back on earth and he wants to, to, to write about this but he can't write everything because his memory failed him. So he just, he's trying to grasp beyond the, the reach or the boundaries of himself. Uh, and then we just have to remember that that's, uh, what he's describing is not fully what he experienced. This is a little bit also uh, perhaps inspired or similar to the older Greek founders like uh, Dionysus, the Arepagite, who writes about like, the divinity, like, no matter how astonishing and 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 uh, just like <laughs> how big and beautiful and splendid or, or transcendent you try to imagine the divine, the real divine and the real divinity is way beyond that. So he's using the word beyond all the time as a kind of an exercise in trying to to kind of reach further, but then also. Reminding oneself is also this humility thing that just remember that no matter how astonishing a vision you might have, the real divinity is way beyond that. So uh, it's a bit of taking the lesson from the second book in the Purgatory that humility is the main key for the ascent to be able to learn more things. Is then it's necessary to to um, have a sense of your own limitations. And just being aware of that you have much to learn and then there is still new things that will be new to you. So this, the whole learning aspect is, is as strong as in purgatory in some places even stronger. Like the encouragement and the support for the pilgrim to ask questions, be curious and, and reach for kind of more learning. There's always this kind of huge joy and intensity of light when that happens. Okay, so this is kind of the first, uh, the f opening paragraph. And um, there's also one last thing when he talks about the intellect drawing near to its desire. This is also in the medieval theology, cosmology, is that the purpose of the earthly life, kind of the human life, is to increase your understanding of the divine. So this is it's, it's kind of um, taken, almost like taken for granted that that is what you should, to work towards and that's what the intellect naturally is drawn towards and this is also then a little bit blended with uh, with Aristotle and kind of all people or all humans by nature seeks knowledge and to learn
Okay, and then we're going to continue. Oh, good Apollo, for the last labor, make me such a vessel of thy power as thou requirest for the gift of thy loved laurel. Thus far, the one peak of Parnassus has sufficed me, but now I have need of both, entering on the arena that remains. So he's now invoking Apollo and the Muses. These are the two peaks of the Mount Parnassus, which is a mountain, like a sacred mountain, the mountain of, which was a symbol of poetry. For the Greeks, it's uh, close to Delphi, a bit outside of Athens. In the first two books, Dante is invoking the Muses and Calliope as the leader of the Muses. Now he's also invoking Apollo as the god of, of poetry and also the sun god in himself. So it's kind of, in some ways, talking about the, like the Greek god of of light and also just um, <laughs> in, in some sense kind of just the highest he can ask for is kind of the divine light or the sunlight or the sun god himself helping in addition to the nine muses come into my breast and breathe there as when thou drewst marcius from the scabbard of his limbs O power divine if thou grant me so much of thyself that I may show forth the shadow of the blessed kingdom imprinted in my brain. Thou shalt see me come to thy chosen tree and crown myself. Then with those leaves of which the theme and thou will make me worthy. So this is just like Dante's aspiration here to win the laurel crown, meaning the, the highest honor as a poet. And also exercising a humility that he needs all the divine help he can get to accomplish this task. So seldom, Father, are they gathered for triumph of Caesar or of poet, fault and shame of human wills, that the pinion bow must beget gladness in the glad Delphic God when it makes any long for it. A great flame follows a little spark. Perhaps after me, prayer will be made with better words so that Syrah may respond. And uh, so Syrah is the second uh, peak of the Parnassus from, from Apollo. And he's, the two things here, when he talks about the great flame follows a little spark, this is a very famous quote. Like you had the Greek version about like from an acorn, like a mighty oak might grow out of an acorn. Here you have like a, a great flame from a little spark, which is both kind of the spark that Dante might ignite in, in us when we're reading. It could also be like what comes out of the spark, like when you get this first spiritual little opening or brightness <laughs> that it can grow into something very big and also that the divine comedy in itself can grow into something very big which it did and has done in history in the 700 years after he wrote this but then comes the humility again that um, perhaps after after me as he write there will be better words there are different ways of translating this but it's kind of hinting at that someday someone else will come and and uh, write something and in some sense also then stand on the shoulders of, of Dante and other great writers and then write something even better. Okay, and then 
The lamp of the world rises on mortals by different entrances, but by that which joins four circles with three crosses, it issues on a better course and in conjunction with better stars and tempers and stamps the wax of the world more after its own fashion. Its entrance near that point had made morning there and evening here, and that hemisphere was all white and the other dark, when I saw Beatrice turned round to the left and looking at the sun. Just one small thing here when he says that um, he's reminding us that he's writing this in a different place than on top of Mount Purgatory. They're still standing now on top of Mount Purgatory. They're, they've gone through the Garden of Eden, through both of the ri uh, rivers, and they're ready to ascend. So when he talks that this morning there and evening here, you get this feeling, this distance to the story, which is also a technique that Dante is using. Um, about 16 times through the whole work, he's, he's addressing us directly as readers, but it's also, in addition to that, he's also doing like this when he, he just reminds us that, that we are both living in the story, but we're also seeing it from a distance. And then Beatrice is looking up towards the sun. This, you could see this in some sense that this is like theology and like she's a symbol of theology and this is just theology focusing or, or adjusting itself towards the divinity in itself with the sun metaphorically never eagle so fasten upon it in looking at the sun and as a second ray will issue from the first and mount up again here we have the reflection theme. Like a pilgrim that would return home, so from her action infused by the eyes into my imagination, mine was made, and beyond our want I fixed my eyes on the sun. Uh, there is also a lot packed into this. It's about like she is looking up at the sun and then he is looking at her and then he describes that when he sees her and the, the image of her focusing is going into his mind and then he is he is imitating and doing the same. He's kind of aligning his vision with the vision of theology. Kind of <laughs> psychologically, he's kind of just focusing and kind of uh, aligning with the, the the area and kind of the the direction of theology, uh, which is then now towards the light in itself. Uh, much is granted there that is not granted here to our powers by virtue of the place made for possession by the race of humans. I had not borne it long, yet no, not so briefly as not to see it sparkling like iron that comes boiling from the fire and of a sudden it seemed there was added day to day as if he that is able had decked the sky with the second sun. So what is happening here is that he's starting to ascend, but he doesn't understand it yet. He is just... So the second or the instant when he is aligning himself with the gaze of Beatrice, then he starts just... <laughs> uh, actually going to describe it in a second, like lightning, he's just pulled upwards into the heavens as the first step of the journey. But he doesn't recognize this yet. So, uh, And 
This second day is because they thought that you had the earth and then you had the sphere of the moon, which is the first sphere. But be between there, you had the sphere of fire. So he thinks that, or this is what he's describing now, which he thinks is kind of the second day. Beatrice stood with her eyes fixed only on the eternal wheels and on her I fixed mine withdrawn from above. At her aspect I was changed within. As was Glotius when he tasted of the herb that made him one among the other gods in the sea. So looking at her, kind of focusing on theology, looking at Beatrice, he starts to ascend and he's also changing. Like this Greek myth, this person who's changed into a god. So he's talking about here how he starts now to, to, to quickly being changed into something else through the ascent and through watching her. The passing beyond humanity cannot be set forth in words. Let the example suffice, therefore, for him to whom grace reserves the experience. If I was only that part of me which thou createst last, thou knowest love that rules the heaven, who with thy light didst raise me. When the wheel which thou being desired makes eternal, held me intent on itself by the harmony, thou dost attune and distribute, so much of the sky seemed then to be kindled with the sun's flame, that rain or river never made a lake so broad. So this is partly describing this sphere of the of the fire uh, between the earth and the sphere of the moon, uh, and it's also just using this this imagery of of light and intensity and illumination as the experience of this beginning ascent in his <laughs> in his soul or the spirit in itself into. The more like the, 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 the mysterious and the divine and upwards. The newness of the sound and the great light kindled in me such keenness of desire to know their cause as I had never felt before. And she who saw me as I saw myself, to quiet the agitation of my mind, opened her lips before I mine to ask. And she began. Thou makest thyself dull with false fancies, so that thou canst not see as thou wouldst if thou hadst cast them off. Thou art not on earth as thou thinkest, but lightning flying from its own place never ran so fast as thou return to thine. So now he suddenly realizes that they're not on earth anymore, they're not at the top of Mount Purgatory, they've already kind of <laughs> way into, into space, out of the earth, away from the earthly towards the divine and the transcendent. And it goes faster than lightning. This is also interesting. It goes faster than light. This spiritual ascent goes faster than light. And it's also a point, a very important point when he, she says that it's like you are returning to thine, which is that... Uh, once he is purified with Mount Purgatory, kind of his soul has been cleared out of all mistakes and misunderstandings, and it's kind of uh, it's been made ready for the ascent. Then the natural place for Dante's soul is in the 
top of the heaven in the Empyrean. And because all all the souls live in the Empyrean, the top, but they're kind of reflected down into the spheres. So it's um, kind of automatic that he is starting to rise into the heavens, which she now calls like his, this is now his place. If I was freed from my perplexity by the brief words she smiled to me, I was more entangled in a new one, and I said, I was content already, resting from a great wonder, but now I wonder how I should be rising above these light substances. So now comes the explanation. She, therefore, after a sigh of pity, bent her eyes on me with a look a mother cast on her delirious child, and she began. So, so a part of the reason for the way she is talking to the pilgrim is to make to underline the difference between the earthly and the heavenly. So she has to explain to the pilgrim like his misconceptions, and she she is aware of this, but still is this um, her reaction is just underlining the contrast between the heavenly and the earthly. So she's explaining it, but it's also, it gives us the understanding that this is, uh, like, there are huge differences, and it's always been like that, and we're going to learn more of it. So she says, All things whatsoever have order among themselves, and this is the form that makes the universe resemble the divine. Here, the higher creatures see the impress of the eternal excellence, which is the end for what for which that system itself is made. In the order I speak of all natures have their bent according to the different lots, nearer to the source and farther from it. They move, therefore, to different ports of the great sea of being, each with an instinct given it to bear on it. This bears fire up towards the moon. This is the motive force in mortal creatures that binds the earth together and makes it one. And not only the creatures that are without intelligence does this bow shoot, but those also that have intellect and love. The providence that regulates all this makes forever quiet with its light, the heaven within which turns that of greatest speed. And thither now as to a place appointed the power of that bowstring is bearing us which aims at a joyous mark. It is true that, as a shape often does not accord with the art's intention, because the material is deaf and unresponsive, so sometimes the creature, having the power, thus impelled to turn aside another way, deviates from its course, and, as fire may be seen to fall from a cloud, so the primal impulse, diverted by false pleasure, is turned to the earth. So she's making huge arguments here about theology. Uh, so some of this is, is uh, like that. Uh, there are people are like there are differences, and so and this is reflected in the structure of the paradise and of the heavens. Uh, and she's also making this argument that that some of the earthly, like the <laughs> the um, imperfections in a sense of the earthly, could sometimes be because. Um, like uh, the the material is deaf to the the artist's intention, 
So there's a there's a there's a, an idea there that like the creation is in some sense also like an artwork from an artist and a creator that sometimes the material is just not responding like fully as it as it should to the intentions of the artist. Um, and also there's a there's a thing here that it's deliberately complicated what she's saying because it's a bit of um, again underlining the difference between like the theological thinking and understanding and um, that we just uh, there's a disorientation in both the beginning of the second book with the souls that come to the shores like uh, like new newly hatched pigeons because they're kind of uh, reborn in a sense like in the afterlife and they don't know where they are <laughs> and they're running around and this is a bit same here with with getting used to a different realm a different world and a, and a cosmos that makes it like you need to try to orient yourself and adjust to this new place and this like a bit of the density of her her speech is a way of of showing that it's a little bit complicated to get a grasp of if i am right thou shouldst no more wonder at thy ascent than at a stream falling from a mountain height to the foot it would be a wonder in thee if free from hindrance thou hadst remained below as on earth would would be stillness in living flame so this is kind of the final part that since he is now purified it is as natural that he is ascending as a stream of water is falling down a mountain side and it would be like if he didn't ascend it would be as as uh, as much of a wonder as if an if a flame is not um not trying to go upwards like the thought like the elements that the flame was kind of reaching upwards because it belonged on top of the four elements and then the final sentence is, then she turned her face again to the sky. So after this explanation, Beatrice theology is just again just looking up towards the heavens and pointing the like the direction, <laughs> showing us where this journey is going to go, and as a signal to just for the pilgrim as well to keep focusing on of where we we are headed now and um and that also that her little, little speech and first explanation of some of the nature of of the paradise is now explained and now we can kind of move further and in a sense all the time when we, we are ascending it is because there's an increased level of understanding so every time there's kind of a learning point <laughs> which you have like like a handful at least in every every canto when that is understood in itself that has become a little like in the second book is a climb on the mountain and here is like an ascent further up into the heavens so there's a it's a, it's a process that is in some sense automatic like the more insight you get the higher up you come and then you discover new things and you try to understand that and when that is understood you keep rising, and there's also then this idea that uh, the pilgrim's capacity to to take in this divine light increases like, rapidly as he goes upwards. 
because the more he understands, the more he can take in of new learning because he's getting gradually a better grasp of the nature of the heavens and of the paradise in itself. Okay, so that was the first chapter in the Sinclair translation. And uh, he also has great notes. It's like four or five pages of notes. And um, he has this nice uh, overview feeling when he talks about the the cantos like as a <laughs> he sounds like a person who's been through this many times been uh, translating and, and teaching it for decades and he really knows much of he's very familiar with the whole landscape and the world of the comedy and then kind of shines through in the way that he's making the the commentary and the notes for each of the chapters okay so uh, we're going to wrap this one up here and um, so we just wanted to give a little taste of this well, both the opening of the paradise uh, as we're now having a reading group. So it's also just one more time, like an invitation to everybody. We have every Monday and Thursday in our uh, community on Reddit, we have a discussion forum, discussion thread, when we just share our thoughts and our favorite parts of each of the contours. So everyone is welcome. And we have the link in the description. And, and uh, it's... It's helpful to get some of these main things off the paradise, like in place, to, to know how to try to read the story as it kind of unfolds. So with that, hope um, some of this was interesting and some food for thought, and see you again next time. Thank you so much for listening to A Journey with Dante. If you enjoyed some of this, you can listen to the other episodes or also go to our YouTube channel, which is called A Journey with Dante. And you can also support us and get extra materials at patreon.com slash ancientworld. Thank you so much for listening and see you again in another episode.